0: Every day, during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is spending 10 minutes or so with readers and book lo- lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading and what they recommend to anyone with a bit of time on their hands. Today, I'm spending 10 minutes or so with the amazing and incredible Alex Della Monica, who joins me from the frost waste that is north of the wall. Hello, Alex. <laughs> Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm well. And yourself.
1: Uh, I am very well as well. This is day 61 of lockdown for us in Toronto. So um, just over two months. I think we'll probably end up baking a cake to celebrate. Celebrate with,
0: you know, air quotes. Does it make you wonder about those crazy apocalyptic TV shows where someone's living in a bunker for like 30 years? How, and you'd be like, no.
1: You know, my, my favorite one of those is, is this weird Brendan Fraser movie. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to remember the name of it, but, um, I'm not sure. He, Christopher Walken is his dad. And yeah, he, uh, he's born in the bunker and he comes out as a 30 year old and, and, and I think an F-16 had like crashed on the bunker right when Christopher Walken thought the nuclear war had started. So, so he goes up there expecting to, Find radioactive mutants, and instead he finds like Alicia Silverstone, Um, and it's charming as as so many of Brendan Fraser's movies are charming. Um, So that's that's kind of the version of the bunker that we're in. I mean, we're um, we're trying to support a lot of local vendors in our area, and they they have some really charming fancy food. So it has been we've been calling it sort of the prosciutto plague.
0: And let me ask you during this prosciutto plague, are you finding yourself mm-hmm. able to to read to work to function, or is it bringing you all to a terrible standstill
1: um i I'm fortunate in that i I am generally compelled to write, so i've have, I've have more or less written every day that I would have anyway. I'm not convinced that the baseline quality is necessarily there, but it's hard to tell with my drafts because my drafts are always terrible so Um, I'm, I'm producing some work and I'm allowing myself to possibly set aside some of those pieces. If in the end I decide they're, they're not quite. Um, but I've, I've written about three novelettes since, since we started and I just got um, edits back from my editor at Tor on the sequel to my LX Beckett novel, um, game changer. So, um, I have been, I've been working my way into intensely working on another rewrite of that book. So I think that'll be easier even, I think just because it's already mostly finished
0: that that will be a,
1: a less, um, difficult process.
0: Um, fair enough. Well, let me ask you if you're functioning, which it sounds like you are, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> are you reading, what are you, what are you reading at the moment? And you know, critical question, is it any good?
1: Oh, I am reading uh, a science book, I am rereading a mystery novel, and then I have quite a lot of short fiction reading on the go, um, because I teach a creative writing class through the UCLA Extension Program, um, and it is creative writing, the short story, this semester. Um, My class just went into workshops, so I have a dozen stories from them, and they previously did 12 flash stories, so I had read those. And at the same time, one of their assignments was to go and find a cool piece of Flash on the Internet. Uh, so so there was a week where I read 24 Flash stories. Um, and then on top of that, I'm trying to read all of the, at least all of the short works on the Nebula, Hugo and Aurora ballads. So quite a lot of short fiction. Um, the... The science book is called, um, it's about the Seattle microclimate, and it's called Natura Obscura, A City's Hidden Natural World by Kelly Brenner. And it is literally about, you know, how a biologist just sort of crawls through her microclimate, finding everything from tardigrades to muskrats to, well, I'm not finished yet. Um, there's a lovely chunk about crows, though. Um, when I lived in Vancouver, I was always really fond of of the crows. There's about a resident rookery of about twenty thousand, and crows commute. Um, and Seattle has the same the same quality apparently. So she she chased them to her roost to their roost, and that was kind of a marvelous set of things to read about. So so that is the science book, and then the mystery. Which I've reread quite a few times. It's one of my go-to's. Is Tana French's "The Secret Place."
0: Um, yep. So, and what, what's so its there. strength if it has one? Uh,
1: I I go back to Tana French partly because I I really like the voice, and she has she has a r- real. There's something about the unreliable narrators in her novels that. Even though they're mysteries, and you would think that once you know how the crime was committed, um, you'd be done with them. They, the little nuances of personality and the the mistakes the detectives inevitably make that are basically misjudgments of character of others, um, really interest me. But rereading as a practice is also something I do when I'm dist- distressed or afraid or tense because i want the comfort that comes from reading um but i don't always have the focus for new material particularly new fiction because as a writer you know your brain engages with story a a little more intensely um your part of you is looking at how the how the sausage is made sometimes and um or you're you're going am i buying this i'm not sure if i'm buying this um so sometimes sinking in is really hard. So if I'm flying, I'll often read, um, one of these Tana French books or Nicola Griffith's Oud series, the, the lesbian noirs. Um, so I, and that's, that's one of the things I recommend for people who are, who are struggling or who feel they should read or they want that comfort, but they're unable to concentrate on a book is go back and, and look at something you love. Uh, possibly something you loved as an adult.
0: Yeah. That does segue to what I was going to ask you, which is, you know, sort of, we're 10,000 days into lockdown. The idea of having something you ought to do or should <laughs> do is ridiculous. And I've long yes. since abandoned this idea that we're poised between Proust and Pratchett having to decide between what's worthy and what's enjoyable. But what would you oh, huh. recommend yeah. to people to read at a time like this? Well, I would hope that
1: most people who read a lot have a, have a good sense of where their sort of go-to reading is, where their comfort reading is. And, um, I, I've often found when I've had a period where I'm teaching intensely and I'm reading a lot of student work, um, it's a very particular kind of thing because most of it's very unfinished and a lot of people are sort of at the very beginning of their writer journeys and you're not going to, you're not going to get the kind of intellectual Hit off them that you do off, you know, a great Elizabeth Bear book or, you know, something, you know, Mm -hmm. by Neil Gaiman or, um, Neil Stevenson or, you know, all of the other writers I love. Um, and sometimes there's, there's this distinct period after I've like workshopped 30 stories where I actually find it hard to go back to, to reading. Um, and the books that I do start with are almost always crimey. Mm their true crime true crime books or their sort of historical books with some kind of crime element. There was a there was a stretch about Gilded Age New York and William Randolph Hearst uh because he was basically a yeah. big fucking criminal. Um, and um and I, I find somehow I, I need that little bit of human badness and you know almost tabloid <laughs> tabloid lurid naughty ick. Um, it's not exactly, I don't want to call it a trashy novel, but it's an element that, that some people will probably consider trashy because it's got that sort of human underbelly in it. Um, And I often need a book like that to get back into reading everything.
0: I, I do understand. I think I've read more crime novels this, this year than I have in the last mm-hmm. 10 years because for some reason mm-hmm. they are. Do you like Tana French? I do. And I just read uh, six novels in a row by Adrian McKinty. I don't know if you've ever read Ooh. his stuff. Uh, he, he's written these this series of books Start have a, a detective, Sean Duffy. They're set in 1980s Belfast during the Troubles. Mm-hmm. No, And what initially Ooh. attracted them, t- t- me to them was basically they're set about a five-minute walk from the house where I was born. And oh, it's, cool. it's where, if my family hadn't migrated to Australia in 1968, I would have grown up there and been... There exactly when the books are taking place. So that was kind of a bit of a head trip. And I also read this. Right.
1: Book. So it's like almost an alternate Jonathan history playing Weird.
0: out. It kind of feels like, and because particularly since like my family yeah. was still there. So I'd still hear a little bit about it. Um, so that was mm-hmm. in th- that. And I also read the thing by Don Winslow called the winter of Frankie machine set in San Diego mm. in the nineties. And that's great as well. Totally <laughs> recommend those if you're into crime cool. and that's what you're looking for because that my experience with those has been thing. That's the other thing I've realized with these podcasts. Word of mouth really is a thing.
1: Oh yeah. Absolutely. I'm sitting here scribbling madly.
0: <laughs> so anyway, when you're when you're not reading and, and everything, you're obviously working, do you have anything mm-hmm. coming out? Anything you'd like to mention to, to listeners they might want to seek out or, or think about? Well, as
1: as as I mentioned, I'm I'm currently doing rewrites on a book called Deal Breaker, which is the sequel to my uh september release uh which is called game changer which came out under the pseudonym lx beckett um i've i've been i've been occasionally revisiting game changer in my mind because it it has elements of what what's happening now um I, i'm looking at us all having these these zoom meetings and then be, being our primary form of socializing and um, in, in game changer that technology is a 100 years along and it's frictionless uh, so people's expectation is that their social circle is going to be scattered around the world, and that you're going to have a, a really nice Zoom room, as it were, which you call your estate. Um, and my main character basically has a an off-brand version of Versailles live in, um, and you just keep a chat room open all the time for your friends to drop by, and and if you're online they can see that you're online and they can drop by and you can just have these little social gatherings. Um, But it's, it's not an epidemic thing specifically. Well, because um, though there were plagues in the game changer universe, they sort of happened before the novel took place. Um, It's, it's just how you live. Like your people are vastly less mobile, partly because of carbon cost of flying. And so your, your expectation is that you're more likely to see your friends in VR than, than in person. Um, So so it's been it's been interesting to experience the the low tech, as it were, version of of that thing. Which I which when I wrote it, I was like, "Oh, this will be awesome!" Because
0: the <laughs> scattered
1: all over the world. Um,
0: well, it will and, be in a while. Uh, One day, it's not going to go away.
1: Parts parts of this are less awesome in this iteration, but but I'm so grateful that.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, this lockdown
1: is has all of these features, and that I have the the privilege and the internet connection <laughs> no and, the gadgetry, um, and the gadgetry, and the far flung social circle who all also have the internet connection and the gadgetry.
0: Mm. And so, game changer is um, out in hardcover and audio and ebook and all those kind of things right now, I guess, and it paperback. Is, it sometime. is, and there's soon. a
1: trade paperback coming um, in the
0: fall. Fantastic, and then the sequel next year.
1: Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Well, brilliant. I'm just making it less confusing now.
0: That's a- <laughs> less confusing that's probably me. is good. We'll be more simple-minded <laughs> then after all of this. We need simple stories. Anyway.
1: Oh, I, I don't know if I can call it that. But <laughs> 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 that's confusing. That's my goal.
0: Anyway, thank you so much for making time to talk to us today. I genuinely appreciate it. It's been wonderful, and I hope to see you somewhere, someday, when people fly an aircraft again.
1: It will totally happen. It was so delightful to see you, your lovely face. Um, And um, thank you very much for having me on the show.